podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Welcome to a Celtic State of Mind, I'm Paul John Dykes and tonight I'm joined by Laura Bradburn and Brian Degnan. We're a little later than expected due to the extra time which uh, actually saw Celtic knocked out of the Champions League once again. Now I'm going to ask for your views on this. I think that um, really it's uh, high time that uh, all of those people out there who criticise Axom um, on any other Celtic platform for criticising the club and the state of Celtic Football Club at this moment in time really need to look at tonight, really need to look at the fact that we've bounced out of the Champions League once again and ask why that is the case. Well it's because of the um, inability of of a Celtic board to act quickly enough in respect of the performances of Celtic where nine months ago it was clear to this podcast and others that a change had to be made and that change wasn't made. When it eventually was made, it took 106 days to get somebody in. That's because that same ineptitude of the Celtic board meant that we put all our eggs in a basket um, and it didn't work out. We then gave the new gaffer 40 days to try and prepare um, you know, a team that was decimated not only in personnel but also in confidence. A team that was trophyless after dominating Scottish football for nine years. And um, this is on the board. It's on the board that we're putting out an 18-year-old defender to make his senior debut in a Champions League qualifier. And by the way, he was one of the best players on the park. And it's on the board that we're putting out a right back who had played two games in two years for Celtic prior to the first leg. Once again, one of the best players on the park. It's on the board that we're playing near beat on a centre midfielder at centre half, out of position once again. Lo and behold, he gets sent off and that's the beginning of the end for this particular tie. We don't have a first choice goalie, that's on the board. We're trophyless, that's on the board. We've got players still at the club who don't want to be here, that's on the board. And we've heard this week that Dermot Desmond it wants to get involved in the recruitment. Well, I would suggest that he needs to concentrate on the ineptitude in the boardroom and have a good clear out there because they are offering absolutely nothing. This is the result of that. We're going into a game against Hearts at Tynecastle. They're newly promoted. I'm not confident we'll get a result. Uh, Brian, what's your thoughts? So thoughts on, on a Hearts game, 
it's a different proposition. Look, I think that you're right. This the the situation Celtic are in just now as a club. It's the board's fault. It's last season's fault. It's Peter Law's fault. It's Neil Lennon's fault. It's poor, um, you know, management. It's poor long term management. It's poor squad management. It, and the the blame lies at their door. I'm going to echo what I've been saying for a while. He, we still cannot blame Ange and Don McKay for this because they've had no time. Now, that's the fault of the board. Ange could have been in in February or March last year. Eh, sorry, this year. He could have been in February or March. He could have been training these players and had the free hit for 12 games and then got his own players in and then prepared for this. It's like I said many a times, and I'll repeat it again, the Champions League qualifiers are like Christmas. They come the same time every year. You wouldn't miss your wins Christmas, so you shouldn't miss this qualifier. It should have been handled. However, I will say, given the circumstances the club are in, and I know we've went out of Europe, but I genuinely thought we were better tonight than Mitchelland, and I think any credit that's due is due to Ange Postacoglu and the players there, especially guys like Dean Murray at 18. We weren't embarrassed on the park tonight. We were embarrassed by the result. Fair enough. But Ange Postacoglu was given 40 days to get a makeshift team. We know back four and asked him to get through Champions League qualifiers, which previous managers with better squads haven't done. So you have to almost separate church and state. You have to separate the board for the team and for the management because I don't think any of the fault is that the players are as well, maybe Bain, but generally the players in Ange Postacoglu, they get a free pass for me tonight. But the culpability lies, as you said, Paul, at the inadequacies of the board for the past few months, for the past few years even. I think so. I mean, it's quite clear that um, they have been led, Laura, by someone who was so dominant at Celtic that, um, you know, the complacency uh, was was allowed to happen year on year. Uh, now that that figure is gone and Don McKay comes in, he must be looking at some of the structural issues at Celtic and thinking, why on earth has this gone on so long? Why has no one actually looked at this prior to now? The recruitment strategy, the the youth policy, uh, the fact that we're, we're still half players. I mean, I know we've offloaded Chris Iyer. We've still got players out there who don't want to wear a Celtic jersey, yet we're relying on them to get us through this this particular tie. Um, as I say, when I'm looking through that litany of absolute uh, dross that uh, the boardroom has served up over the last uh, nine months and beyond, you've got to look at performances of the likes of Dane, Murray and also Anthony Ralston and say, well, actually, you know, I've seen Ralston twice throwing his body at a shot to make sure it didn't go in. And, you know, I don't care how many people criticise me for saying so. He was one of the best players on the park tonight. He showed a real commitment. Um, But we're not good enough, Laura. And that lies with the fact that this is this is now coming home to roost. This is the result of months, if not years of complacency. Yeah, um, before I go into what I actually want to say, I echo the sentiments that you both made there about, you know, praising the players tonight who put in the performances that they could to try and get as the result, despite the circumstances they're in. Dane Murray, Stephen Welsh, um, Anthony Ralston, 
were the outstanding performers out of the team. But to go into a little bit more about how we've ended up at this situation, as Brian said before, you know, there will be a lot of people coming on Twitter and coming on here and coming on wherever online saying, this is a disgrace, it's another art media Bratislava with Gordon Strachan, it's another this, it's another that. We knew in February when Neil Lennon left that this was going to happen today. So to sit here and pretend that you're shocked that it happened is, is can't be genuine and you can't blame Ange Postacoglu for something that was obvious four months before he walked in the door. What I will say as well is, if anybody's shocked at the standard of squad that we have and wants to look at the standard that we think we should have, then like my ex- expectation of what Celtic should be is obviously much higher than what the board thinks it should be. And the reason that I'll tell you that is crystal clear goes all the way back to 2010 or whenever it was. To- Tony Mowbray was to me, an ambitious uh, managerial appointment. Somebody who had pedigree in England, who had a reputation, who came away from a better league to help to try and manage us to make us better, didn't work out. What did we do? We signed Neil Lennon. No pedigree for the job, no hardly any qualifications for the job. He stays with us until it all falls apart. They panic, they go out and do the best thing they did in that entire years and get Brendan Rodgers. Do they build on it when he goes? No, they go back to the same old, same old and they rest in their laurels. They think, ah, Rangers aren't here, Neil Lennon will do it for us. They're asking players, and it's proven now, they're asking players, stay for the 10, stay for the 10. Meanwhile, telling Celtic supporters at the same time that they're expecting too much, expecting the 10 bringing out kits that say made for what was it the, the slogan not made for yeah made for not made for second best so there's a there's a dichotomy going on there there's a there's a, a like a juxtaposition going on there of telling us we expect too much and then not actually doing anything to provide anything near what we would want standards wise this board are just coasting. They're gathered, gathering their checks, which by the way many more lacks of qualifications for the Champions League and your checks will be getting very much smaller. We need to do something to help Ange Postacoglu. This man knows what he is doing. If he can get given the resources, he can get given the money, he can get given the backing, I firmly believe he will be one of our most successful managers. If he ends up out the door before this year is up, it will 100% not be his fault. Do you think that um, he's he's walked into a situation, Brian, going on what Laura said there, talking about him being out the door? Do you, do you think he's entered a situation um, where he, you know, where you, you do your due diligence and he might even be quite surprised himself at the state of the squad, um, the state of the club in terms of not being quick enough, even with a shorter period of time to get deals over the line? I mean, he's spoken about it. He's hinted at that during some press conference. Conferences. Do you think it's even taken him by surprise? Yes, no. I mean, I think he, he, he said the other day he was very clear how challenging the job was going to be. Um, but obviously, you're never going to knock Celtic back if you're any sense. So I think maybe, maybe surprised at how the club have dealt with things. He's basically hinted that the club have took too long getting transfers in. 
as we know. But again, it's not his fault and it's not Don McKay's fault. It's a, it's a legacy issue, which I'm hoping moving forward will, will change. And You know, it's so hard, Paul, because my immediate thoughts, I'm angry, I'm hurt, I'm annoyed. However, I still see enough in the performance and I still see enough in Poster Coglu and what he said and what Dominic I said to suggest to me that this might be the last time this happens to us in this situation. I still generally leave my heart of hearts and maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm an idiot and I'm sure Twitter will tell me and that's all right because everyone's tell to the opinion but I'm sure my heart of hearts this will be the last time we're in this situation. Does it make it any easier? No. And listen, there's a, a bunch of Sevco fans been watching this game tonight, taking time out of their, their busy schedules to watch the, the Glasgow Celtic. And given we're a club that's charitable and wants to help people less fortunate, I'm very happy for them that they've had a chance to watch a game. That's good for them. But the reality is, people can mock all they want, but longer term, and this is a key, longer term, I think we're on a good footing. I genuinely do. This is a sober to take. But there's enough there for me, at least, to suggest that we're on the right path. And I think, look, we're still having this conversation in January. I'll eat my words. But I very much believe it'll be a different situation in the next few months. Laura, see when we're looking at the uh, bigger picture as we, we try to do as much as possible and uh, we ask ourselves well what did you expect uh, you know where we are uh, by Ange comes in so so late um, he, he has got a decimated squad because a lot of personnel had left he's trying to obviously put his own stamp on the team his own culture his own philosophy within the uh, football side of Celtic but I feel that there are deep-rooted issues within Celtic Football Club that neither Ange Postecoglou and maybe even Dom Mackay can't get sorted in the time frame that we want it sorted in, i.e. we need to win uh, the league title back if we've got any kind of aspirations of getting that big bounty of the Champions League next season. We're now talking about next season's Champions League. Um, we knew it was a gamble. We knew it was a gamble. Of course, it was to bring someone in so, so late, Laura, but the people who were responsible for that are still at the club. And that's my biggest concern. I have absolutely no doubt that the defence will look far, far better with a couple of additions that um, hopefully will bring in a goalkeeper. And obviously, we're still trying to put a stamp on or Ange and his backroom team, which uh, he has inherited, are still putting their stamp on the Celtic side. So, yeah, I've got no doubt that on a playing sense, it's going to get better. But behind the scenes, you know, there are still the same issues because it's still the same people other than Peter Lowell for Don McKay. Yeah, and I think what's what's becoming crystal clear at the moment is uh, with Ange not actually having any other backroom staff in and Dom McKay apparently not having in, appointed anybody except uh, having got the role that he's got, like you say, you can't really change mindsets and you can't change attitudes when you're two new people trying to, to come to grips with your new job. Um, what concerns me is that we are in a situation where, I, when I when I watch other clubs, we talked about uh, Christopher Iyer going to Brentford, right? Mm. They are a very ambitious club. They're obviously trying to better themselves. They're trying to they've got into the Premier League. Obviously, that means they've got finances well beyond ours, and and they can push forward. But 
you look around at clubs and you think, I can see what their plan is. I can see what they're doing to try and better themselves, to make themselves bigger. I feel as if, if, if Celtic had continued to win the league and the odd treble and Rangers had never come back, the board would have been happy with that. They would never have pushed for going into Europe and doing anything beyond domestic success. And the only reason that the situation has changed and they've had to, or, or people are screaming for them to get their finger out is because we've got a bit of competition domestically now. There, there's no actual change in ambition. There's just been a change in circumstances and, and we don't look any better prepared to deal with it than we did four or five years ago. I think that there was, we've spoken a fair bit about this complacency. Um, there was this feeling around Celtic that that when Rangers re-enter the top league and we knew that uh, the, the day would come, that Celtic will just keep them at arm's length. We'll just keep them right there. And we became complacent as a football club. Now that's at the very, very top, the highest echelons of the club um, in the boardroom. And that, that's exactly what that attitude was. But that's come home to roost. Uh, because not only did we lose the league title, I mean, we lost it, you know, with a, a deficit that was absolutely embarrassing. I mean, the swing in points is, is shocking. It's a real capitulation. And not only that, we didn't win a single trophy last season. Um, now, the, the team that we were playing tonight, and all credit to them, they were absolutely decisive when it mattered, are 22 years old. Celtic, 133 years um, and you know a big part of that has been this this European heritage, this proud European history. Yes, the sixties and seventies was a golden age. We started competing in uh, the group stages, the Champions Leagues. We've been in the UEFA Cup final, um, but that almost seems like a distant memory, eighteen years ago. So, when you look at that, you look at progress or lack of. Celtic have made very little progress, if any, um, in terms of being a European club. And you say, well, you know, because of this stacking up against us with uh, the finances at Scottish football, etc. Well, you look at a club that's 22 years of age playing in Danish football who are a step ahead of Celtic. You know, and we see clubs like this coming, you know, year on year who are building Brian. They're actually progressing. They're sussing things out quickly. They're learning from their mistakes and they're prepared. All of the above, Celtic are nowhere near it. And, you know, I was watching the game tonight and uh, some of the commentary was absolutely spot on. You know, we've got no one else but ourselves to blame regarding this. And when you try to call out a a manager who's underperforming or out of his his depth, it's the podcast, it's Axon that gets criticism. Well, it's coming home to roost. These are the problems we've been talking about for nine months. Um, And now Ange Postacoglu is trying uh, quickly to assemble a team. And as Laura says, you then need to implement your philosophy and a culture. Now, that doesn't happen overnight. That's going to take even longer than bringing the players in. Of course it is. Um, there's a good point coming through from Maravchik, and I think it's worth bringing up because it's something that we criticised the players and the team uh, for last season. And that's that, the, you know, second half of that uh, extra time period, they were dead on their feet, Brian. You know, you're looking at players like Eduard, who you know, I'm surprised he stayed on the park for 120 minutes, but he was trying to chase back and it was almost like he was going in slow motion. Midgieland had a, a spring in their step. They definitely finished the stronger side. I didn't feel in the second half. In fact, I didn't really feel during the extra time period that Celtic were going to get a goal. I really didn't think that that was going to happen. 
but Michelin, as I say, they were decisive when it mattered. We didn't look 100% in terms of the fitness once again. And again, that's because it's a failure to prepare. It's a failure to get the manager in quickly enough so that he can play, uh, work with the players and get them up to speed. How long is it going to take? I'm looking at some of the other clubs in Scottish football, and I said this other week, um, and people think it's been dramatic. Are we even up at the standard of, at this moment in time, domestically, some of the other clubs who last season finished third or fourth, for example? Because I'm looking at Aberdeen and Hibs, and I don't think they're any weaker than they were last season. Uh, we're going into a game at Tynecastle at the weekend. We'll be covering it here on Axon. Uh, and, you know, we're going into a game there where I wouldn't be surprised if it went either way, Brian. And that is a sad indictment of a team who won four trebles in a row, nine league titles in a row. This is a club that's just up from the championship. Now, I know Tynecastle is a difficult venue at the best of times, but I'm going into that with no confidence. Real, real concern in relation to tonight's performance, the performances during the pre-season, the fact that we still don't have a settled defence, we don't know who the, who the number one is. By the way, talking about goalkeepers, Brian, and I know you've had some cracking conversations with Boise and Colin about this. You know, if, if we're playing a style of football, which means that your goalkeeper is going to be doing shuffles on the edge of his box, I'm not interested in that because my heart was in my mouth at least twice tonight. We've been you know, doing his wee shimmy shimmy yeah whenever a, a, an attacker came anywhere near him. I'm not interested in that. Let's just get back to basics. Let's start winning games. And um, we don't have a goalkeeper to speak of. What's your take about uh, Saturday, Brian? This is our domestic campaign. We need to win this league back. How confident are you going into that game? So it's interesting. Uh, just on the goalkeeper thing. So I think what's important to understand is it's not how I would play football. My heart, when I saw Bain taking the ball at his feet and, and trying to do shimmies and stuff like that, it's not how I would play football. I would rather my defenders defend my keeper's save. However, I'm not in charge of Glasgow Celtic. Ange Postacoglu is. And he wants his goalkeeper to play like that. So irrespective of what you, me, Laura, um, anyone else thinks, he wants his keepers to play that way. That's it. That, I mean, that, that's, whether we like it or not, that's that's the case. I'm going to have to bring this up, Brian, right? Because, you know, whenever there's humour in situations like this, we need to embrace it, right? There you go. That's just some shimmy shimmy, yeah. Um, <laughs> that was pretty quick by the DJ of choice. I've got to bring that up. Seeing how we had the Madonna chat earlier on uh, this time, um, it's old Dirty Bastard. Let's call him that. Yeah, I, to be fair, judging by some of his earlier comments on the, the, the bulletin today, He's not someone you want to call out, but um, but yeah, I think as I say, regardless of anyone's opinion, as I say, I wouldn't play football that way. I wouldn't want my keeper, you know, doing keep ups and trying to shimmy by people. But post call good does, which means that's what we're doing. So someone from uh, Twitter today commented, I can't remember who it was, so I apologise, I can't credit you, but they said it's ideology versus reality, and it's the case because it. Ideology-wise, Celtic should be smashing Mitchelland. The fact it's even a competition against us in Mitchelland should be shambolic. However, the reality is the fact that we knew this was going to be hard. We were almost always saying we're probably not going to get through. So the reality is that's the position we're in and we have to move on. In terms of the game at the weekend you're talking about, look, I... I 
If, if Forrest takes his shot tonight and scores, makes it 2-1, I think we win the game. And I think the conversation is very different. And I don't think Hearts, all due respect to him at Tynecastle, are going to give us the issues that Mitchelland did. I think we should go into that game thinking we should win. It's going to be much harder than we think it is. But I'm still confident we've got more than enough. Yeah, we're weak defensively. Back in defence wasn't the problem tonight. Dean Murray and Stephen Mills were, were very good. I thought Ralston was pretty decent. That wasn't the issue tonight. It was the, the, the forward line and the, the midfielders. I would wager, based on balance of probability, that that will be corrected by the Tynecastle game. And we'll have enough in our tank to beat Hearts. If we don't, that's a different conversation. But again, I still think we have to understand that regardless of what your position is, of, look, I would like us to be Martin O'Neill's team. We've got six foot six certain halves and we're bullying teams and we've got a good goalkeeper and we've got Henry Larson up front but we're not we're not that just now we're a team in transition and quite honestly we're a team that's came off failure for last year it's played terribly we don't have a back four we don't have a good goalkeeper we have to try and move on and, and get in your heads that this is a gradual process and it's not going to make it any easier to see as I say I'm furious tonight and I thought we'd get beat over the two legs so it, it, you almost have to it's difficult to admit but you have to actually almost accept that it's going to be failures this year even though again ideologically there should be How long do you think that process is going to take Brian? Six months minimum Six months by which time? Why? Because there's no way in any walk of life or any business anywhere that you can completely revamp the way a business is structured in any less than six months. If you want to get a scouting system set in place and start scouting players and send them all over the world, given the restrictions, given Brexit, you're going to have to wait and be patient. It's going to take at least, for me, six months to get the proper football structure in place, the proper scouting system in place, recruitment managers. Because then, even if you think about it, you have to recruit the guys that you want to recruit players. Mm-hmm. There has to be a scouting system in place for that. And Don McKay's currently in his job fresh and he's going to have his own ideas as is Don McKay, eh, as is uh, Andrew Postacoglu. So I think six months is a realistic target for the modernisation of the club. Now, one thing we need to talk about, Laura, is um, Austin Edward tonight. Um, you know, I think I've probably championed him, stood up for him, as much as I possibly can. I'm watching that performance this evening, Laura, and um, it was poor. You know, just not his performance, but, you know, the the fact that he's not willing to to do the, the hard graft. He's not willing to put his head where it might hurt. Um, he's got a player in Sviachenko who was surplus to requirements at Celtic. You know, no one, no one was that concerned when he left the club. I know quite a few people have said, you know, he's maybe... The uh, the old common influence, the experience said that we could be doing with just now. But when he left, I don't think many Celtic fans were um, all too concerned. But he's absolutely bossed Edward tonight. Um, and there is a suggestion that he's on his way out. Uh, would you be quite content if he was to uh, leave the club before we even started our domestic campaign? Is it about time that we just cut ties here with, with Eddie? Because we're not going to see the same player that we have seen and we hope to see. And a Celtic jersey. 
Well, there's two ways of looking at the Sviachenko thing. Either he's the Van Dyke that we let go and he's absolutely bossed Edward tonight because he's world class but he's playing in Denmark. Or a pretty average defender has kept a striker out the game who wasn't very interested in it anyway and I'm definitely in the second boat as far as that's concerned the thing that concerns me about this whole thing is and let's I, I know I know Brian said before the match that we are speculating and, and this and that about about Edward wanting to go but I think it's pretty clear to everybody from from what's been in the papers and stuff like that and when you've got people like Stephen McGowan uh, reputable reliable reporters reporting it you have to go with it and and, and think that it's true so let's take that on board and assume that Edward wants to go I never understand where players are concerned this dropping off in terms of their performance their attitude changing spitting the dummy whatever you want to call it surely if that is the route that you take then you're only doing yourself damage in terms of getting a move my my thought on it would be if I want a move to a Liverpool or a Man United or a Barcelona or whoever, and I, and Edward is far away from that kind of level, but if I want to move to those clubs, I play my heart out. I play out of my skin. I was at I was at Ajax versus FC Groningen in September twenty eighteen. Uh, to watch Ajax for my 30th birthday. That team had Hakim Ziyech, uh, Matthias Delict, Frankie de Jong and uh, Donny van de Beek in it. Those players gave their all for that team until mm-hmm. the day they were finished playing for that team and got moves to the biggest and best clubs in Europe. That is how you do it. You don't strop about and throw your arms up in the air because somebody doesn't give you the pass you want. You don't get into the six yard box and then fluff a shot because you just can't be bothered trying it's absolutely a disgrace the way he's behaving and at the moment Brighton is probably too good for him he's probably not even Premier League standard anymore and a couple of years ago I'd have been shocked if he said that listen I'm I'm just I'm just angry tonight at the whole situation and, and to go back to what we said before about ambition and about how the club is run you don't have to look much further than just up the road in Perth and look at what St Johnston achieved last season. See any excuse that Celtic gave last season about COVID or any excuse that we give about any reason that we can't achieve what we want to achieve? The folk in St Johnston must be laughing at us. They must be absolutely killing themselves because look what they can do on what I'm sure is a fraction of a fraction mm. of the budget. Oh, absolutely, 100%. Laura, these are the games that we have to cover. Uh, like it or not, whenever we get de- defeated, we will still be here live. don't know how we're going to be able to sort that out. Maybe it's a live satellite outside the game once we all get back in. Um, we shall see, by which time I hope this philosophy, this culture that Ange is going to implement at Celtic is fully underway. Uh, we realise the size of the task, Brian and uh, we will cover it every single step of the way. Every single ball that's kicked will be covered on a Celtic State of Mind. Thanks, everybody, for getting involved. I think I needed a professional sniper in the comments tonight. 
So uh, I'll get back to that in the morning. There's lots of, and I'm going to call them emoticons, uh, Union Jack emoticons this evening, Brian. Um, so yes, there will be a wee bit of blockage happening later on. Um, thanks everybody for getting involved. If you've not subscribed already, get subscribing on YouTube. We go out every single day. Uh, loads of other pre-produced, fully edited, fully produced uh, content coming your way on a Celtic state of mind as well. And I've got to say, Thanks for sticking with us, Brian Degnan and Laura Bradburn. Even though it went to extra time, we'll be back at 12.30 tomorrow for the Axon Bulletin. Guys, got hair loss? I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head, comb it over, wear a hat? Just stop. This is in 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration experts, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to anyone that texts EASY to 203203. Dude, you don't have to look like your dad, because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part? Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY to 203203. That's B-A-S-Y to 203203. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Social Podcast Network. Sports 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 Social Podcast Network.